Dear congregation, I would ask you now to please turn your very prayerful hearts and minds there to the book of Proverbs and the 8th chapter. I'm wishing to take for my text some words that we find here concerning wisdom. We know that we could say that the whole of the book of Proverbs really is about the wisdom of God. We read of a constant contrast and comparison between the just and the unjust, the saved and the unsaved, the wicked and those who are the Lord's people, who are brought into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing that the Lord's people do possess by the grace of God is the wisdom of God. But I want to preach to you tonight, Jesus Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. We read it there in 1 Corinthians. And I submit to you tonight, we will see that wisdom is a person. Wisdom is a person. It is the God, man, Christ Jesus. We will see from the verses that we have read, and we particularly want to point out several verses here, and then we'll begin to expound by God's help from other passages of Scripture that Christ is the very one spoken of here. And there are certain principles I want to set forth tonight that we must never forget whenever we come to study the Word of God. The Scriptures are constantly revealing to us Jesus Christ. He said there in John chapter 5 to the religious leaders of his day, Ye search the Scriptures, and then ye think ye have eternal life. But it is they which do testify of me. All Scripture testifies of Christ. Now as you begin to study here Proverbs uh, chapter 8, we read of the wisdom that is calling to the young man to flee the evils of this world as a counselor. But God is the counselor. In fact, one of the names given to the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, his name shall be called Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And it is through his counsel and wisdom that he gives peace in this life and gives peace with God. And I want us to learn this night how Christ is wisdom. I want you to see that wisdom really is a person. Verse 23, speaking of wisdom. You notice chapter 8, verse 1 begins, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? Wisdom has a voice. At first she is presented, as it were, as a woman pleading with young men. But of course we know the counsels of God are true. The Lord sometimes uses these various analogous languages. Sometimes God represents himself as an eagle that comes to as it were, stir the nest. He comes as one who bears his people up on eagle's wings. These various images that are meant to portray God's saving strength and power to poor lost sinners in this world. I want us to think how God is wisdom. This wisdom, look verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And then as you come down, you'll see that wisdom, counsel belongs to wisdom, verse 14. And sound wisdom, I am understanding, I have strength. By me kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me princes rule, and so on. Now in the natural realm, it could be true that princes rule, kings reign. But the very one who appoints the kings, Romans chapter 13, all the powers that be, or ordained of Almighty God. That is true. But then you see, it begins to get personal, how this wisdom loves. Verse 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. You then come to this very one who was with God in the beginning. You look, verse 22, the Lord possessed me, in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I will set up from everlasting, from the beginning or ever the earth was, 
when there were no depths, I was brought forth when there were no fountains abounding with water. This is before the very creation of all things. He was with the Lord before the mountains were settled, verse 25. Before he had made the earth, verse 26. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. And you notice, even when he made the sea, you come down to verse 30. Then I was by him, as one brought up with him, as it were always with God. There never was a time that wisdom was not with God. And yet, you notice this, and we know this, God has always been. And nothing exists without God. And then it says, I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, that is God, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. This very one who was wisdom delighted in the sons of men, who even knew that the sons of men one day would sin against Almighty God. But this one who is called wisdom will change men, will step into time, space, and history, and will change men. And you'll notice, now therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. And verse 34, blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates. You see, it is a person who has gates, the gates of heaven, the gates of glory, waiting at the posts of my doors, Whosoever findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. We read earlier, I love them that love me, and they that seek me early shall find me. Look at verse 17. This wisdom has love. He loves them that love him. And those that seek me early shall find me. I want to speak here this night and show you from Scripture that this wisdom is Christ. Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, I want to set a few principles. When we come to understanding and interpreting Scripture, Scripture must always interpret Scripture. But one thing we must be very plain on is that the scriptures themselves make us wise unto salvation. All the scriptures make us wise unto salvation. And I say that on the authority, if you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. If we simply come to a passage like this in Proverbs, and we think that God is simply teaching here about the bare knowledge of wisdom, what it is to have a knowledge of certain things, wisdom on its own, wisdom without God, we have come away from what Paul says on authority of the Holy Spirit. Why are the Scriptures given to us? Why is every page of the Scripture given to us? And what do the pages of Scripture tell us? That is essential for our understanding of every page of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.14, the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy, and he says to him, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known, notice, the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. You see, two things we glean there, that the Scriptures, all of the Scriptures, not some of them, are able to make us wise unto salvation in Jesus Christ. They give us, it says, through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. In other words, when Christ said, Ye search the Scriptures, and ye think that ye 
In them ye have eternal life, but it is they which do testify of me. If we look at the Scriptures, and we are not seeing that the Scriptures are pointing us to Christ. In other words, you can point to every book of the Bible. And every book of the Bible, all the Scriptures, they are meant to make us wise unto salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. If we look at this great forest, as it were, in the book of Hebrews, and we do not see Christ as the one who is the Word, and we must not deny that. We are told, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. <laughs> and that flesh came into this world, my friend. That word is the wisdom of God. And in the word of God, it is called the scriptures. These scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation. All scripture, we're told furthermore, is given by inspiration of God. The Holy Spirit has given us the word here. It is given by God. So when Solomon writes... We must understand that Solomon is the mere penman. The Holy Spirit is the author of the word. And according to the Apostle Paul, all scripture, we should be able to turn to all scripture, any book in the Bible, and we should be able to find Christ. Because they all point to that salvation which is in him. That's the first thing we need to establish, we need to understand. So when we come to the word of God, what are we seeing here? We're seeing the very one who is wisdom, who was with the Father, and he delighted. You see here, wisdom delighted in men. The wisdom of God. And uh, we read, didn't we, if you just turn to that reading that we read there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let me show you just very briefly how we're told. Paul has been speaking about how we preach the wisdom of God. And that wisdom of God is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say in verse 24, he says, But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, 1 Corinthians 1, 24, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Let me put it to you this way. We know that the scriptures say in John, he made all things. And it takes great wisdom to create a universe, doesn't it? The heavens and the earth declare the glory of God day unto day, night unto night. The creation speaks forth of God's knowledge, his power, his handiwork. We see the power of Christ. We see the wisdom of Christ. And in the gospel... We see the wisdom of God, and particularly that of Christ. He says here, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And we want to think here tonight how Christ is the power, and how he is the wisdom of God, my friends. This is such a great, important subject, and we see here how he loves them that love him. That's true. There's a question to ask here tonight. He says, I love them that love me those that love him he loves why do they love him because their eyes have been opened to see their sin and because he loved them that's why they love him and uh, there are warnings in this passage the one who finds him finds life and shall obtain the favor of the lord you see we can't if you think here solomon is speaking merely about if you walk in wisdom bear earthly wisdom, you'll find favor with God. You're greatly mistaken, my friend. For whosoever findeth me, findeth life. Now, of course, it's the Lord that finds the sinner. But we begin to discover him. We begin to understand him. We begin to see him. That's true. And shall obtain favor of the Lord. 
But he that sinneth against me, you see, you can sin against this wisdom. This wisdom is a person. This wisdom is Christ. And that is so essential. Paul says there, Christ, the wisdom and power of God. Psalm 62 tells us, God hath spoken once. Twice, says the psalmist, have I heard this, that power belongeth to God. And Jesus Christ, my friends, is both power and he is the wisdom of God. And I want you to think with me tonight how Christ is both power and the wisdom of God. And the first thing we need to see is that the scriptures are wisdom. What did he say? You search the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life. But there's wisdom. How this is the age-old question. How can man who is a sinner be just with God? That was the age-old question. Was it not of Job? If you just turn with me to Job chapter 14, we have it there. Job 14 verse 1. This is the great question. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And we would say, yes, Lord, we know we have experienced trouble, trouble of our own hearts, trouble in this world, trouble even from our own family. This was Job's experience, didn't he? He had friends that came to consult him and try to console him, but they were miserable comforters at best. And Job, though he was a, an upright man, he eschewed evil. Trouble came from the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans. Trouble came from the devil. Trouble came because of his parents and our first parents, Adam and Eve. Trouble and sin has come into this world. That's true. But could Job, could all the sacrifices of Job, we know Job sacrificed before Almighty God and his children sacrificed. We know Job was an upright man. But here's the age-old question. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and a full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such an one and bringest me into judgment with thee. Yes, God does. He brings sinners to that place of judgment. There's a judgment day. Now you notice verse 4, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Job knew that. He looked at his family. He looked at his own life. I am unclean. He said, I am a worm. As he heard his wife say, why don't you curse God and die, Job? He knew that he was unclean. He knew his family was. He knew that there was not a just man in all the earth. How can a man be just with God? He goes on to say, Seeing that his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. God has determined our days. We can't go beyond. We can't live longer than God has given us. Turn from him that he may rest till he shall accomplish as an hiling his day. And then he says, For there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and the tender branch thereof will not cease, though the root thereof shall wax old in all the earth. And he goes on to use the analogy of nature. The water continues, the earth remains, then man goes to his grave. He says in verse 13, Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret. Notice, until thy wrath be passed. Job understood that there is going to be a day of wrath, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. And then he says this, if a man die, shall he live again? Can he? Will he live? He's a sinner. Well, Job knew that he would stand on the earth one day. He knew of God's wisdom. He didn't know how God would save, but he knew that God justifies sinners. 
He says, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time, he says. Now, these are such striking and wonderful words, friends. All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Job knew God was able to raise him. He said he will wait. He will even wait in the grave. Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to work the work of thine hands. What did Job sow? He said, until my appointed time will I wait, till my change shall come. Job could say in Job chapter 19, what did he say? For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Job knew that God would redeem him. That's why he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he's going to raise this body. He trusted in the wisdom of God. He believed in the promise made to Adam and Eve. He believed, said that Job lived during the time of the patriarchs, or even shortly after. Abraham believed in the one who was called wisdom, who would come into the world. Jesus said, he saw my day and rejoiced and was glad. Job believed in the Redeemer. But here's the question. How would wisdom, Christ, save lost men? That's the question, isn't it? How can that which is unclean, anything, come clean out of that which is unclean? I'll tell you how. The wisdom of God. We are told in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that the virgin shall be with child. The one who is very wisdom, who created the heavens and the earth, came and in that very womb of Mary, that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom entered Mary. Mary was unclean. Mary a sinner. Mary cried, My Savior. Wisdom entered Mary by the power of God. She was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. With child, what was in Mary? Wisdom. It was said in the scriptures that the virgin shall be with child. The very one who is wisdom is God. Emmanuel would come into the world. Wisdom. You see, Paul said the world by its own wisdom, we read there, did not know wisdom, did not know the power of God. God had not revealed himself. It is the great mystery how Christ would come into the world. Although in the word, and yet it seemed veiled from men's eyes. We can read now in retrospect, can't we? We can turn to Isaiah, passages such as Isaiah 8, Isaiah 7. We can read of all of these passages and we see with clearer light that this very one who was wisdom, how he would come into the world. How does the wisdom of God save those that love him. How does he save them? I'll tell you how. He came into the world. God sent his son, born of a woman, made under the law. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because he delighted in the sons of men who didn't delight in him. 
There was a time, we read in Isaiah, I was found of them that sought me not. There was a time when the sinner did not know, did not know the wisdom of God, did not know the Lord Jesus. But Paul speaks of the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that shines into their hearts. And he gives them by his Spirit a knowledge of Jesus Christ was the one who created the world, who is the light of the world. And all of a sudden in their hearts comes light and knowledge. That this is the one who the Bible has been speaking about all along. You notice this very one is the one who was with the Father. Verse 22 of Proverbs chapter 8. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. When we turn to John chapter 1, it says there, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Is not the Word wisdom? Christ is the eternal Logos, my friends. The worlds were made by him. God is one and yet in three divine persons. How does God save man? God never was a man. God who was spirit never had a body and yet took to himself a body that he would never, ever, ever, ever relinquish. That is amazing. Condescension, isn't it? That God, Paul says, was manifest in the flesh. That is the wisdom of Almighty God, my friends. And there is nothing more precious than Jesus Christ because he is the one who is wisdom, who gave himself up for those who were fools. When you look back in the garden, and this is why the love that the Lord's people have for him is higher that than even a natural love and affection between a man and a woman. When you consider the love that David had for Jonathan, we are told that it was more excellent than the love they had, uh, would have between women. That's what David said, and Jonathan said to him, of their love, how excellent it was. Well, because it was a love based on covenant. You think about it, back there in the Garden of Eden, God gave man a wife. What did man do? Man was wrong here. There was that moment we could say concerning Adam. He loved his wife more than he loved God. When he gave in. Yes. The desire was there. She took and he took. But what about obedience and love to God? That, it seemed, for a moment, was eclipsed, wasn't it? They had forgotten the God who had given them everything. The God who had given him a, a wife and a world and everything to enjoy. And all of a sudden, it was as if God didn't exist. His word wasn't true. And they believed the lie of the devil. Ye shall be as gods. The greatest anticlimax, my friends, happened to them both. They were both ashamed and naked. See what their wisdom did to them? See what their folly did? It was not good. You see the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. And then when we speak of the wisdom that God has for his people and the love, it surpasses all natural affection. In 2 Samuel, we read chapter 1, verse 25. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle, O Jonathan? Thou wast slain in thine high places. 
I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of woman. Now, well, there was nothing funny going off between these two men. There was nothing unsavory about their love, but it was a love in God. It was a love for God. And you read of the covenant that they made. And God made a covenant with his son. A covenant that would never fail. A promise. My son, I will give you a people from this world. A people that will deny me. A people that will deny thee. My son, you will have to buy their debt. You will have to suffer in their place. You will have to become man. And he did. He did so willingly and lovingly. It was a wonderful covenant that the father made with the son. And to typify that, we have a wonderful covenant. Remember Mephibosheth. Remember how, for the sake of Jonathan, we know this story, don't we, in the Old Testament. How David spared. He said, is there any left of the household of Saul for the sake of Jonathan? Even the enemy of Saul. But based because of a love, my friends. A love between David and Jonathan, which typifies the love of God the Father with the Son to give his people How faithful Jonathan was, and how faithful the Lord is. Natural love is a wonderful thing, but the love that God has for his people is great wisdom. You see, can anything clean come out of man? To save a man? Can a child pay for his father's sins? Never can. For a father pay for his child's sins, never can. But one who is very God will be born into this world. Jesus Christ, who delights in the sons of men and who is the wisdom of God. This is amazing, isn't he? He was with the Father, brought up with him. The creator of the world, sustainer of all things. Of course, nothing is too hard for him. He says it in his word. Is there anything too hard for me? When man's hope seems lost and hopeless, God comes to the hopeless and to the helpless in Jesus Christ. And he gives his life as a ransom for many. You know, I read there, didn't I, from Second Timothy. And Paul says to young Timothy, you have known the scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation. Not just wise in life, but in salvation so that the sinner's hope is in God. It is in God's salvation that he gives free, unconditionally, to his people who begin to see Christ as their only hope for glory. That's the wisdom of God, isn't it? When you see, my friend, that there's nothing in you, there's nothing in me that could ever merit God's favor, that could ever bring us into glory, but Jesus Christ, then we have come to wisdom. Then we have come to understanding. If we have not come to that point, we have not come to see ourselves for who we are. But if we can say with Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, we can die in hope. We can rest in hope. What did Job say? He said there in that passage there in Job 14, he said, if a man die, Shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time, I will wait till my change come. That was Job's help. He's going to rest in the grave. 
till his change comes. Every believer, my friend, dies in hope in Jesus Christ. What will that change be? My friend, if God could create the world, speak the world into existence, and if God, at his call, when the trump of the archangel sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise, my friend, it says at the twinkling of an eye we shall be changed. And this immortal, this mortal shall put on immortality. And God says, there is nothing too hard for me. You have to believe it. God who created the intricacies of this world and all of the, the laws of science and physics, keeping everything in sustained order, God will do it. And he will do it to the glory of his name. Because as we draw near to this time of year that we call the incarnation, you must remember that wisdom came into the world, who delighted in unworthy, pathetic, vile sinners. Not that he took any delight in the vileness, but what he would see afterward, when they would be changed into his glory. We read, didn't we, there from Corinthians, God has chosen the base things of this world, the foolish. Why? To shame the wisdom of the wise. To show it is all of grace. To show that it is all of God's power. It is all of God's mercy. My friend, the world, Paul says, through its wisdom, did not know God. And it cannot know God. And it will never know God because it is proud in its wisdom. And a man that says, I can be right with God, you are a fool. You are a great fool. You're as foolish as the Pharisees. You cannot erase your sin. But Christ erases the sin of his people at Calvary. And so when they come to him, they must know it is done. That he died for them. That he suffered in their stead. This is the wisdom and the power of God. And you know, whenever we turn to any passage of Scripture, my friend, when Paul says the Scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation, if we think that the Scriptures are pointing to anything less than Christ, we're in darkness. You can read Ecclesiastes is pointing to all the wisdom literature, all the prophets, do you remember when the disciples were down, the Lord Jesus had risen that Lord's day, and they, they were forlorn, and they were downcast. They were on that road to, Emmaus, to Emmaus, and Cleopas, and the other that was with him, they, they were downcast. Have you not heard the things that have happened concerning Jesus of Nazareth? And then he drew alongside them. And what do we read? Beginning at Moses and the prophets. And then it would have been all the wisdom, all the scriptures. He preached the things concerning himself. And my friend, if we've come to Christ, it's the greatest treasure, it's the greatest... We've read here how this wisdom is greater than all the treasures of ruby and gold and all the fineries that we could ever have in this life. If you have Jesus Christ, you can have nothing. And yet feel yourself to be the richest and most blessed man in all the world. But you can have great riches, as Solomon discovered. Until he came to really see the one who has ordained all things and to understand everything that there is a time under heaven given by God until you come to see the son of righteousness you'll be a poor man you'll be a lost man you'll never really know wisdom and you see when Christ is not only made to us we read there didn't we from Corinthians it says there, but we 
preach Christ crucified, who is the power and the wisdom of God. And then Paul goes on to speak about how, in verse 30, but of him, if you just turn there to 1 Corinthians 1.30, are ye in Christ Jesus. Let me show you just four things briefly that Christ is for the Christian, my unsafe friend. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. First of all, wisdom for salvation. There is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. God in his wisdom and in the wisdom of Christ he had to give himself as a ransom for many. Salvation is on the basis of a legal standing. A debt had to be paid. Sins had to be remitted. Christ is made unto us wisdom in salvation and wisdom for life. You know, Paul says, doesn't he, to the Colossians, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, shall we appear with him in glory. Christ, who becomes the Christian's life, he says, come and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. One of the things that you have when you have Christ, you begin to have his meekness. Consider it. He who made the heavens and the earth and who could destroy anything was meek. And yet how often sinners are so proud who can do nothing. And God can shame. This is why the scriptures say we shouldn't boast about tomorrow. We shouldn't say I'm going to to do this, I'm going to win, I'm going to achieve this. I'm Don't speak like that. Say, if the Lord will, we shall live. And my friend, when you begin to speak like that, you begin to have peace in your life. Because you're not stepping over the boundary. You know, you're, you're not above your pay scale, as it were. You're realizing, I am a creature entirely dependent upon God. And Christ is my life and he's keeping me and he's sustaining me. He's brought me to a knowledge of himself and I should be happy and settled in all that I have to have him and to know that I have life eternal. And it come what may, may the world be against me. It doesn't matter. I have Christ. I have everything. I don't care what men think of me. I only care what my Lord Jesus thinks. You see, and that sets you free. It sets you free from men. It sets you free from pride. It sets you free from everything. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He has made for us wisdom. He gives his peace, my friend. My peace I give you. My peace I leave you. The Christian really has, first of all, he has peace with God. And then he has the peace of God that passes all understanding. So that whatever trial he goes through, he can say, my God works all things together for good to them that love him. He says, I love them that love me. Didn't we read that in Proverbs 8? If you love him, he's going to love you. He's never going to disappoint you. The scriptures say, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. If we make God our all in all, we'll find peace, we'll find contentment, we'll find joy, we'll find everything. His wisdom. Christ has made unto us wisdom and righteousness. Though we sin, the Christian, you see, my unsafe friend, has a righteousness before God that will never fade away. 
a righteousness that God's Son has earned on behalf of his people. And all of my sin will never stain that spotless garment of my Savior's righteousness wrought for me. Nothing. And therefore I always ought to be thankful for Christ, who is the Lord, my righteousness. And he has made also to me, notice there, and sanctification. But it's a changed life, surely, if you've been saved. You want a sanctified life, don't you? Or you don't want to mire in that sin, wade through it every day. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Yes, they shall be satisfied. When? When they awake finally in his likeness. We yearn for it now, but one day it will be realized. When we awake, the psalmist says, when I awake in thy likeness, I shall be satisfied. And redemption. It's a wonder, isn't it, that redemption should be put there last, but it's, it's not last by any means. But it's there to remind us, friend, if we're in Christ, we have been redeemed. By his wisdom. You see, salvation is not possible with man. But God, as it were, enters into man, enters into Mary, and becomes the God-man to do what? To live and then to die for his creatures and finally to take them into glory. Here, let me just point you just to a couple of scriptures before we close. There are many passages of scripture where wisdom speaks. I want you to notice in Luke 11, you know the Lord here is speaking about the parable of Israel of old. And I want you to notice this is the Lord who is the wisdom of God. Luke eleven forty nine. Remember how the Lord sends prophet after prophet, and then finally He sends His Son, who the Lord knows they will put to death. But there we read in Luke eleven forty nine. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute. It's the wisdom of God. It is Christ always behind everything that happens in this world, my friend. It says, therefore, also said the wisdom of God. Wisdom speaks. Wisdom is a person. Wisdom is one who delights in unworthies to bless them and to even allow himself to be put to death that he might secure for us everlasting life. And whosoever findeth me, verse 35 of chapter 8, findeth life. Really? If by the grace of God you have come to know the Lord Jesus, you have found life, and you shall obtain the favor of the Lord. But here, you can sin. Let me just close with this. He that sinneth against me and this is why I say it is a person. Wisdom is a person. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. And all they that hate me loveth death. Quite strong language, isn't it? The person that sins against Christ who is wisdom wrongs his own soul. I can't imagine why a man would hate Christ. I hear all too often his name taken as a swear word by men who it seems know nothing about him. 
They have hated him without a cause. Why? Because it is in the nature of man to hate him who is wisdom. It was there in the garden, in the spirit of the devil, who hated Christ, who hated God. And my friend, he will hate all the offspring of Christ. And you be sure of it if you're a Christian. Peter says, your adversary, the devil. But you know, if you love the Lord, you have nothing to fear. But he that sins against him wrongs his own soul, and you love death. Death will be your end. Not a physical death, merely. It will be the second death. Well, you will know Weeping, a wailing, an everlasting torment from all that is right and all that is good and all that is lovely. There is no wisdom in hell, but there is only madness and destruction. All they that hate me love death. I hope you don't love death. Paul, and I have to close with this, said, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha, strongest possible terms. Let him be accursed. And then maranatha, come Lord. How could you not love one who was so pure and so lovely and came to die for sinners? You hate wisdom, you hate what is good, and you deserve death. Amen.